0: Welcome
1: to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.
0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here from Epiphany Communications and Coaching, and I'm excited about our next guest. He comes from a very interesting background. He is actually a board-certified cancer specialist who's been in private practice of radiation oncology for more than 34 years he's also an entrepreneur having founded elite therapeutics and bad love cosmetics company but he's also a very passionate writer and he has an amazing a series out there right now and he's joining us to talk with us about the bad love series about uh kevin shuey thank you so much dr shuey for joining us
1: hey vanessa it's so good to be with you today
0: so this is really exciting. I mean, um, this is an interesting background. Dr. Shui, you come from a medical background as a cancer specialist. How did you find the time and the passion for writing and tell us about this series?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Vanessa. Um, I actually, I'm, I, I guess as a writer, I'm a late bloomer because I wrote the first book at age 62. And uh, it's kind of interesting in my family. My dad started painting oil on canvas when he was 70 years old and became quite a prolific painter by the time he passed at age 92. So he painted for over 20 years. Anyway, I started, um, I really, uh, Vanessa, it's like I was struck by lightning in, in, you know, like in November of 2018. I'm a World War II history buff. And so I get all these journals about World War II. And I read the story of the Phantom Fortress and it was actually been in the the news uh, here lately because there was a tragic crash of a B-17 in Dallas over the weekend. But so I read the story of the Phantom Fortress, which um, was a B-17 bomber. That came into land in November of 1944 in Kortenberg, Belgium, at a British air base. Well, you wouldn't think much of this, but it's coming into land in the afternoon, and there's no plane scheduled to land. And this, and it's the brand, it looked like a brand new B 17 bomber just comes barreling into land, and the crews are radioing the tower. They don't know what to do. And um, it just keeps coming, they're radioing the plane, no one answers and the plane comes in and lands. And it sits there and they're all manning their anti-aircraft guns, they just don't know what's going on. And it sits there in a field with all four engines running and uh, nobody gets off the plane. And they literally waited for 20 minutes and there is no radio contact and no one gets off the plane. And so I think what they did, Vanessa, is they probably drew straws because they were worried the Germans were using it as a Trojan horse or, or possibly everyone was dead and injured or injured on board and they just couldn't respond. But nevertheless, a guy named John Crisp, uh, a British lieutenant, he, he uh, probably draws the short straw and he has to go out to the plane to figure out what's going on and so he finds his way on board and there's leather flight jackets on the floor. There's there's candy wrappers open all over the place. And um, uh, uh, he makes his way to the cockpit. There's even parachutes lined up against the fuselage. And wow. there, he doesn't see anybody. And he makes his way to the cockpit. There is no one on board. The plane is empty so the story goes and literally this is in the world war ii history books the 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 listeners can google the story of the phantom fortress so um he basically john turns the engines off by trial and error and they do an investigation and there's quite a story behind all this but you have to believe that the crew bailed out uh, with the plane on autopilot. It had lost two, they had said it had lost two engines, but all four engines were running when it landed. And so you have to believe that that the, um, the crew bailed out and the plane somehow magically restarted two of its engines and flew to a friendly Air Force base and landed itself. And in World War II, these planes were not, um, you know they're not like computer-controlled drones of today. I mean, so it's it's a crazy story, but it's true. And so it just, I I felt like I was struck by lightning. Like, you know, time travelers could have been on that plane, and they could have got zapped back to the future before John Chris got in there. And that's that was the genesis of me becoming a book author.
0: Wow. So Bad Love's Tigers has won 200 awards for best screenplay and best script from the film festivals around the world. Tell us about that. Congratulations. That's awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, it's been so much fun. Um, So I wrote uh, the screenplay to the first book, Bad Love Strikes, um, which and and then uh, Bad Love Tigers is book two. And um, in that book, The Bad Love Gangs, this is modeled after my boy, good friends. And so everybody has nicknames. My nickname in the book series is Bubble Butt or BB, And so Bubble Butt is the narrator of the book series. And um, so I wrote the screenplay to book two um, and put it out there in March of this year. And as of just this past week, it has now won more than 200 international awards for best screenplay, best original story, best sci-fi screenplay, uh, best action thriller. Um, it's really so, you know, it, it, in, in, in book two, Bad Love Tigers, the Bad Love Gang are ambushed by a Russian spy in their time travel machine and they have to go back and talk to President Roosevelt about what what went wrong. And Roosevelt sends them on this epic road trip across 1945 America from Warm Springs, Georgia all the way to Area 51.
0: Wow, wow. And you
1: you get to learn what's going on in Area 51. And then they have to use the time machine to volunteer for the Flying Tigers in China to keep the, the secrets of Area 51 safe. Mm. And so it's a kind of a crazy plot. It's like Teenage Goonies meets Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, And it has, ca- it's, it has captured the imagination of people all over the world. The screenplay has Vanessa. I mean, it is one in South America and Australia, and North American Canada, and in Southeast Asia and, and Israel and in the Middle East and uh, Spain and France. And it's just it's one everywhere. And so I think we have a global hit here. And I'm calling all producers. I mean, we you know the we just have to find the right team to put this onto the big screen.
0: Did you originally write it as a book, or originally write it as a screenplay?
1: So I originally wrote it as a book, but you know, my, I'm very I'm very visual, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, me too. I do that with my cancer patients. You know, I try to help them uh, visualize what's really going on. And I think being visual helps you really understand difficult concepts. And so as I write, I think I really write my books like I'm watching a movie. Um, The hard part is taking the book and converting it to a screenplay because you have to really, you know, one page of a screenplay is one minute of a movie. So if you have a, you know, Bad Luck Tigers is 95 pages. So it's about an hour and a half movie. Mm. Okay. I had to take a 340 page book and condense it down to 95 pages.
0: Wow. Did you write the screenplay and the book? You did both, right? That's right. Wow. So you write about um, serious subject, such as a Holocaust, but in a feel good kind of way, what made you decide to use that kind of tone in your book?
1: You know, I'm really glad you asked, um, because I think it gets to the core of what makes this such a fun series and a good series to read. This is really historical fiction with a twist of science fiction. So a young person or middle-aged or older person, they're going to learn a lot about history by reading the book series. And so I, as a cancer doctor, I really have spent my entire career focusing on hope you, you, as a cancer patient, you have to have hope, or you're not going to get from point A to point B. And that, that um, uh, concept of hope is something that is just totally infused in my book series and the screenplays. And I think that's what's made the screenplay so, so popular, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and then, um, your books are interspersed with links to like songs that readers can listen to while they read, kind of like musical scores in a movie. This really adds a kind of a different flavor to a book and adds to emotional impact and enjoyment of your book. Tell us how this came about. You know, why did you decide to go that route?
1: You know, we're on we're on audio right now. I kind of wish we're on video because you could see me smiling from <laughs> ear to ear right now. Uh-huh. So my dad, when I was when I was a, when I was a little boy, so this is I'm a baby boomer, and uh, so in the early '60s, my dad was actually he he had come out of World War II. He was a jukebox vendor in St. Louis County, and so we had a Wurlitzer style jukebox in our basement with all the latest 45 rpm records. And I have two older sisters, and so I'm you know I'm sitting in the in our basement with the jukebox playing, watching my sisters dance. And my brain was imprinted with all the songs of the sixties and early seventies. So if I see something or or I'm talking to you, for example, a song might pop into my head. And so I call it uh, that I have a a music brain. And so I put songs um, in all of the books in a soundtrack. And so, for example, Bad Love Tigers opens up with You're So Vain by Carly Simon. I mean, how good is that? <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, the, the, the songs are called out in bold type throughout the books. And I I, I invite the, uh, the reader to listen to the songs as they're called out. It makes it more of an immersive experience, Vanessa, um, uh, reading a book and then Actually, you know, telling Alexa to play um, "Born to Be Wild," and then you're reading this, and and the music's playing. It's like kind of like being at the movies.
0: Wow, that's great! I love that. I never, you know, that's such a clever thing to think about in a book. You never think about that. You really were thinking about. I think that goes along with your their visual aspect in writing the screenplay. You're really thinking about the movie itself.
1: Absolutely. I mean, think about movies that you really love. Um, most of them have good soundtracks, right? I mean, you know, yeah. you, you remember those songs from those movies and, uh, and then you hear the song later and you have, you know, it kind of pops a vision in your head of, of being there at the movie. And so this is kind of doing it in reverse. It's like uh, creating the book and the, the uh, you know, the scenes in the book and, and I think it's gonna lend itself to, to really a terrific movie series. That's my hope and my prayer anyway.
0: That's wonderful. We're talking with the author of this book series that has been uh, awarded many awards, more than 200 so far. And it's Dr. Kevin Shuey, who is actually a board-certified cancer specialist who's been in private practice for radiation for more than uh, an oncology for more than 34 years. And he's written this uh, book series that's uh, a screenplay, and he's written several awards for it. Uh, You know, your job, uh, your career as a radiation oncologist for more than 34 years, how has it shaped your outlook on life and hope and and the strong messages you share in the book?
1: Well, that's a really deep question. And, uh, you know... um, so I'm one of these people that believe in, in heaven and the life ever after. And I just don't think that we live and we die and we turn to dust and that's it. And, yeah. um, and so if it were, if, if that's what we do, we live, we die, we turn to dust. We all ought to be partying every minute of the day. I mean, come on, what else? <laughs> and so I just, you know, um, life is fragile. And and the, the other thing that you learn about as being a cancer doctor is life is short, and the older you get, you realize the shorter life is, and uh, and so I, it's taught me a lot about life, and I you know people um, are just amazing, and I I love what I do because cancer really doesn't know any boundaries, right, uh, uh, Vanessa? I mean. You know, it affects children, it affects all races, and, and men and women equally, and so it, um, it's, an, it's an indiscriminate um, disease. And so I, I love the fact that I've been able to spend my career working with people from all walks of life, but the common denominator is when you are diagnosed with cancer, it is like death has visited your doorstep. And when that happens to you or someone that you dearly love, it really brings life into focus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I um, I relish the discussions that I have as I get to know my patients better because um, it's not like you're talking about the price of bread, you know. You're talking about the meaning of life and the value of life and Um, the things that are important like you know family and your relationships um, in this life and Mm -hmm. so um, I love what I do and I think that the readers will see a lot of that as they they go through the books because you know uh, when you're a book author there's got to be a part of you in that in those writings
0: so, I understand that every year you write a skit for your cancer survivors, which you and other doctors put on. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so we do it for Cancer Survivors Day. And, um, you know, and I think about it, um, I love the question Durant's asking me, by the way, that when you think about um, uh, uh, the Cancer Survivors Day, you want to you want to make it something that brings smiles and joy to people and so what we what i started doing is i would write these skits and and we would have a theme like um it would be surfing survival or groovy survival um and and so it would be music from the 60s or the or 70s and so i would uh, write the skit and it would be the doctors would play the play the role let's say um, we had we had a Top Gun theme one year, and so it would be the pilot Maverick, you know, asking Goose a question, and then the answer to the question would be a clip from a song, and the and the doctors then would have to lip sync the song and our dance with it in front of all the patients, and the it just you know it made the doctors uh, actually like just real. Flesh and blood human beings, which was so good for the patients, and um, and so that's what it was. It was basically a skit where we asked each other questions, and the answer to the questions were clips from songs, and then they, we we acted those out. So wow.
0: that's a lot of fun. How what was the doctor's reaction when you kind of posed that to them and said we're going to do this?
1: <laughs> well. Not every doctor will volunteer for that. Um, So you have to have somebody that um, at least uh, is not totally shy about making a fool of themselves in front of a thousand cancer patients.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. It's a little humility there, right? Now, you you also tell us that um, you said the series would be a perfect read for teenagers. Tell us why. Well,
1: these are the, the Bad Luck Gang are teenagers, so these are these are basically high school students that are coming up with the solutions to problems that adults can't figure out. In, in a way, it's a little bit like it's, it's kind of an older version of Stranger Things, um, in that regard. Because uh, you know, Bubble Butt in the in the um, Bad Luck Tigers is seventeen years old, and so the the players or the characters are ages 15 to 18 in Bad Love Tigers. And, and then there's a pilot that, um, that they rescue from World War II named Bucky, and he's 26 years old. And then they have these, these two uh, surrogate parents, Waldo and Mary, that, that are actually based on real people that I grew up with. And we would all go over to their uh, house. They didn't have their own children and their house kind of became a gathering place for us. And so uh, Waldo is a character in the book. So there's, the, there's, there's a couple of adults, but really these are teenagers that are uh, the stars of the Bad Love series. And, mm. um, you know, I think teenagers can uh, read this and hopefully watch it on the screen sometime soon. And it, it, they'll be able to identify with somebody in the in the cast of characters here because all of them have unique personalities and their characters are developed in a way that i think um you know it would be a quiet and that i really think that's why it's so popular worldwide is because you know people are reading this and they're like oh i that's me you know
0: i can see <laughs> yeah. me in that yeah yeah so the books are dedicated to your sister. Tell us about her influence in your story.
1: Yeah, so uh, my sister Kathy, um, I'm I'm the youngest of three children. She's the oldest, and um, a little about five and a half years ago, she came down with triple negative stage three breast cancer, Ooh. and I'm I'm happy to report that. Um, she did get the treatment that she needed, and it's now five and a half years later. And she's
0: oh, wonderful. Cured,
1: and she's cured. But she and I were uh, really uh, time travel fanatics uh, when we were kids. And mm. so, um, uh, you know, here I am a cancer doctor, and this is my sister that loves time travel. I get struck by lightning after reading the story of the Phantom Fortress. And and then by trade she was an English teacher,
0: mm. and so I
1: was having her you know kind of check out my writing, and you know she really gave me Vanessa she really gave me the the first clue that I might be onto something because I sent her um, the manuscript to the first book and she called me and she says you know Kevin she says I think I think you could be onto something here because I'm having a hard time figuring out what's fiction and what's fact wow and wow. So that's the way i write because you know i'm a scientist as a cancer specialist but sure. i I'm taking, I'm, I'm weaving in fiction and i think um i think kathy really gave me a lot of encouragement in that regard because um if being an english teacher she couldn't discern what was fact and what was fiction i thought that was a good sign <laughs>
0: that's a great sign we're talking with dr kevin shui today he's a board certified cancer specialist who's been in private practice in radiation oncology for more than 34 years he's an entrepreneur having founded Elite Therapeutics and Bad Love Cosmetics Company is also a writer, and he has a book series and a movie script that has won more than 200 awards. So, how do we get the book?
1: Well, um, I have a website, um, www.kevin, kevin S C H E W E.com. And you can go to the website, and there's a lot of information there and hit the buy tab and it will take you to amazon or barnes and noble or you can go directly to amazon and barnes and noble and and uh, type in bad love strikes or bad love tigers or bad love beyond bad love medicine at any rate the books are available on amazon and barnes and noble in hardcover paperback nook kindle and even Amazon Audible. All four books are in Audible, and uh, uh, and then I have <laughs> I haven't. My, my publisher made me do it, Vanessa. So I'm actually on TikTok and Instagram <laughs> at at Real Kevin Shuey. So I don't know if you do Instagram, Vanessa, but if I, you do, I do, I'm going to follow oh, you right now. Awesome
0: what is
1: it tell me what is it at real kevin shuey and it's a hoot so i put i put all these awards to music and you'll get to you'll get a real flavor of my my music acumen by uh looking at my instagram and so but i'm also on tiktok as well same same handle at real kevin shuey all right
0: you follow me i follow you <laughs> okay, done. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo, so at Real Kevin Shuey. What else do you want to, what else do you want to uh, share with our um, listeners today?
1: Well, I would say, so, you know, if you have children or grandchildren, any any children that are ages 10 and uh I think this is a great series for them. Get, start with Bad Love Strikes and go forward from there. I mean, Bad Love Tigers, the one we're talking about, it's won all the awards. But these will teach, they will teach the children and then these uh, about history. And they'll Mm -hmm. weave in time travel and this group of teenagers that are solving these, these problems that adults can't solve. And um, it it will be a wonderful education, and then it'll be wonderful entertainment if you're a baby boomer or older and you read this, and you'll be like, oh man, I know that song, and you'll it, you know, and it brings back a lot. It's it it the, the group starts in the mid 19 you know they're from the 1970s and they travel back to World War II uh, era, and so I I just I wish that every high school English or history class would take up this book series because I think there's so much to be learned from what America went through in World War II.
0: Yeah, I, I love the fact that you said that it's a fun way to learn about history and be engaged and, um, and teach you know, kids about history, but in a fun, entertaining way.
1: You know, Vanessa, I grew up... Um, in a post-World War II neighborhood in St. Louis County. And, you know, back in those days, we didn't have cell phones and video games. Um, We had landlines in our, our, we we had dial phones in our homes. But if you didn't go outside and play with your friends, you were one lonely kid. Yeah. And, And so that's the world that I grew up in, is that you know, we we were outside playing nonstop until, you know, from morning until night or when we had to go eat dinner to interrupt our fun for a little while. That was me.
0: That was me. (laughs) And, you know,
1: I I wonder, you know, how much the world is still like that. And so this, this harkens back to that time. And uh, there's so much to learn.
0: Well, I want to thank you for being on It's Your Community and sharing your story with us. And, and, uh, and congratulations on the great success with this series and winning more than 200 awards. That, I mean, that's really impressive.
1: Thank you so much. I just, um, you know, let's get the, you were asking me if the audience could do something. Let's get the audience to pray that, you know, we get uh, Steven Spielberg, or Ron Howard, or uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, JJ Abrams, one of those guys to latch onto this, and make it the next Top Gun series, or whatever, Mm. Um, you know, it's really Raiders of the Lost Ark, is it gives you that kind of flavor, um, or stand by me, Uh, so uh, I need some people pulling to uh, get those uh, producers in line, and make this movie and get it out to the world
0: well that would be fabulous and i'll get to say that i interviewed you and i was one of the first interviews before it became a movie so hey you get
1: a, you get, you get a ticket to a front row seat oh I'll,
0: I'll take it i'll take it Kevin. <laughs> thank you so much and i really do hope that happens for you and well, bless god bless you, you and good luck with everything
1: thanks so much vanessa it's been a pleasure really enjoyed it
0: pleasure talking with you. If you have any questions or comments or topics you want us to get to, get to me, Vanessa Denha. You can do that by going to Epiphany Communications and Coaching and email me there or find me on any of my social media platforms. I am on LinkedIn, Vanessa Denha Garmo, Twitter, Instagram, and Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook. As always, we remind all of you to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. We'll catch you next time right here on It's Your Community.
1: It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.